Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to make a couple announcements. So the first announcement I wanted to make was uh, a shout out and a big thank you to Trey, uh, the current president of KE, Kappa Epsilon, which is a pharmaceutical fraternity at the UF Orlando uh, campus for allowing Carmen and I to come in and do a presentation on how to use social media professionally. So we had a great turnout. I think we had about uh, 10 people, 10 students in the building. So we had a great opportunity. It was a great chance for everybody to ask questions and for us to connect with everybody that was there. And I also want to say thank you to all of those individuals who came and followed us. We noticed we had some new, we got some new followers from there. And also we've been getting a lot of new followers from Palm Beach Atlantic University. So we appreciate all the new followers. Thank you for, for liking our content, sharing our content. And if you need anything from us, please never hesitate to reach out. Uh, but just wanted to definitely say thank you, Trey. Thank you, KE. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. And uh, thank you, PBA, as well. Also, we recently tra- just transitioned our Friday content from Fun Fact Friday to Financial Fridays. So we did an Instagram poll to see how many people would be interested in financial content. And everybody who responded responded yes. So we decided to go ahead and make that transition. We started it last Friday. So definitely check us out on Instagram or on TikTok. Uh, we posted a video. Uh, the first one was about conscious spending plans. Really, basically, it's another way of saying a budget. And we will be creating more content now on YouTube. I recently put out two shorts on YouTube, and you'll see more um, just coming. I don't know how often I'll post. I'll just be posting things. So please go to our YouTube page, like and subscribe our content. Uh, I'll probably also be posting more videos on there, kind of explaining some of the different financial things if that helps everybody out. Because the short form content on Instagram and TikTok, it may not be enough for everybody to understand what I'm trying to say. So I'll definitely can go more in depth on there. But if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to, to ask or reach out. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say thank you to Trey, KE, uh, thank you to all our new followers and definitely anything we can do to help with our financial content, with any of our content. If you have any questions, if you'd like us to come speak to your student organization or to your school, please don't hesitate to reach out. We love networking and we love the opportunity to present some of our content to anybody who's willing to listen. So thank you guys so much for the support. Now let's get into today's episode. Another episode of Capsule RX Podcast. Today I'll be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo, and I am also with Dr. Carmen Hernandez. And today we'll be interviewing Dr. Michaela Hayes, who is currently a PGY2 at Duke and is also someone who has her own Instagram um, at the Faithful Farm D, where she posts a lot of motivational and inspirational content. So you know we had to get her on <laughs> as much as I love it. You know, I feel like a <laughs> Uh, in my past life, I was a motivational speaker. So anytime I can get somebody that inspires me to do better, or inspires others to do better, I feel like we have to make sure we get them on the platform. So I'm super excited to have you today and can't wait to get to our questions. So welcome, Dr. Michaela Hayes. How are you? 
I'm so well and so glad to be here. Thank you for the awesome introduction. I hope you guys are doing well as well. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Florida, so we have no complaints. <laughs> um, and so just to get started, can you please provide a brief introduction about yourself to our audience today? Yes. So my name is Michaela Hayes, just like you introduced. I am a current PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy resident at Duke University Hospital. I am the face and the pharmacist behind the Faithful PharmD, which is on Instagram. And I am working on a website. My fiance is in IT, so TBD, we're getting that to you guys soon. But I have grown up and always lived in North Carolina. So I completed my pre-pharmacy coursework at Queens University of Charlotte, where I was a Division II college athlete. I played softball. And then I, you know, went into pharmacy school. I went to pharmacy school at Wingate University School of Pharmacy, fell in love with ambulatory care. And really wanted to pursue a clinical pharmacist path and completed my PGY1 pharmacy residency at Wake Forest Baptist Health in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And that was also in ambulatory care. And then I transitioned to a PGY2 in ambulatory care. And I'm looking to get an ambulatory care position in Charlotte, North Carolina. So move closer to home and stay in North Carolina. Awesome. and. So really the reason why you want to stay close to North Carolina is just because it's close to home? Yeah, family. So I have learned in pharmacy school and through, you know, playing softball, I really get rejuvenated when I'm in a hard season with my family. And so I want to have a good work-life balance and be, you know, close to home, close to family. And my fiance lives in Charlotte. So that's the plan. Okay. So that, that definitely helps. And if I'm not mistaken, North Carolina also has a lot, they're pretty progressive for pharmacists, correct? Yes, very progressive. So there were, there was twofold reason why I needed to stay in North Carolina for my training. So I got a scholarship that pays back my student loans through, um, it's the Fells scholarship. And so if I worked in North Carolina for the amount of years that I got the scholarship, which was three years, then they would pay back part of my loans. And so it was really, it really geographically limited me when I was looking at residency programs. So I applied only in North Carolina for both PGY1 and PGY2. And I really, you know, knew that residency was for me from the very beginning, like a P1 year in pharmacy school. So I really tried to prep my experiences to be a strong candidate. And so that, cause I knew I was geographically limited and that a lot of people would be trying to apply for pharmacy residencies in North Carolina because we're progressive. So we practice with a collaborative practice agreement or a CPP, which is a clinical pharmacist practitioner. And that just means you like have an agreement with a clinic and the the doctors within the clinic, and you have like a scope of practice that you can prescribe for. And they have like a list of medications that you can prescribe. And that's just the very progressive part of how we can be independent practitioners working alongside those positions, which I really appreciate. That's awesome. You know, it's definitely, you know, you're saying closer home, you know, having that support, it makes the whole transition, um, you know, especially for you, I'm sure that the whole transition from students to pharmacists and then, you know, especially a resident, you know, having your family there with you was a great support. So that's amazing. Um, now in speaking with that, Let's go back a little on the origins, right? So like, tell us more about your feelings and your thoughts about that transition from students to pharmacists. Yeah, that's a great question. 
something that I really struggled with moving from farm pharmacy student to pharmacist was the imposter syndrome and just feeling like I would be encountering situations or experiences where I wouldn't know the answer or I just wanted to practice safe and effective medicine (laughs) for my patients. And um, I think what really helps me personally to combat that and just like work through that was preparing as much as possible for whatever I was anxious or wherever that fear was around. So I kind of learned that when I was think when I was applying for pharmacy school, I was in, um, I actually remember, so both major experiences in my life that I think changed my life happened in my parents' living room. So I remember I was a junior in college and I was sitting there thinking about my grades. I think I was on Christmas break and I was worried that my grades weren't good enough to get into pharmacy school. I was just like worried. And I was telling my parents how worried I was. And my dad was like, let's go. And I was like, what? He was like, we're going to the pharmacy school. We live 15 minutes from there. He was like, we're going to go talk to somebody and see what the deal is. Like, see how your grades are, like print out your transcript and let's go see. And it turns out, you know, like I had, I was majoring in biochemistry. So I had like multiple courses that could satisfy the prereqs. And then they would take the highest grade from whatever course you know, they were able to pick and choose and my grades were perfect. And they were like, you're, you know, right on course for, you know, what you're trying to do. And that really helped me to learn um, the antidote to fear or anxiety is action. Just gain as much information as you can to figure out how to identify the barriers that you have to achieving the goal that you've set forth and then either pivot or maybe you find out, hey, I'm doing better than I thought I was doing. And then as far as that imposter syndrome, I think what I really do is that same method is like action. So I prepare as much as I can. I, you know, crack open that RX prep book from (laughs) preparing for my boards or I like crack Mm -hmm. open up to date and just refreshing on everything that I might encounter so that I come into the experience, the most confident version of myself. And that is really how I combated that fear of imposter syndrome. Amazing. You know, and I think, you know, we, we can all relate to that. Right. So I, I mean, I, you know, you were talking about how entering the primary school, like I had the same thing. I had the same issue where before when the PCAT was required, I, I, okay, I wasn't expecting how it was. So I, the whole timing issue, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but the timing, how it's like you have to answer super quickly. And I'm like, this is so crazy. You know, a test makes me nervous. And, you know, the first time I didn't get a high percentile. And so I'm like, that imposter syndrome started kicking in. I'm like, great. Okay, I am not going to make it. I'm going to need a plan B. And so, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to study harder and I'm just going to go for it. And well, long story short, you know, here I am. You know, it's, and you said a really key word, you know, is to put, is to act, you know, like, yeah, you know, our fears can overcome us. Uh, we overthink, we have second thoughts. Um, but as, you know, my mom, she would always say, you know, it's best to try and at least you know the end result rather than just living without. Right. So that's really key. What you said, you know, just acting on it. Um, because you just never know. You never know what it could come up off and look at you. You know, you're here, you're, you're PGY too, you know, so you're close each day closer to your dream. So that is very awesome and inspiring. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. 
So seeing based on your experiences, I do see how from your Instagram, you know, I see that we were talking about at the Faithful Farm D. Um, and we see a lot of content where you also share like more inspiration, more motivation for for pharmacy students and pharmacists alike. Um, so can you tell us how did this profile came about? So like what inspired you to make it? Um, and what kind of content exactly do you create in your Instagram? Yeah, so the inspiration came from when I was a student in pharmacy school. I was just trying to learn as much as I could about residency, how to be the best candidate, just what is residency, what what's the life of a typical resident, what are you doing? And I came across Instagram profiles of current residents that really inspired me. And then they would turn around and give you tips to be successful during your appy year or as a student, and then tips on how to apply to residencies, um, interview tips, all these things. And I really just was craving to get as many of those accounts following those accounts Mm -hmm. as I could. So um, I just saw a need for more, more people in that space, you know, residents that were completing the process, turning around, sharing their journey and experience and tips. And so that's when I, when I got accepted into my residency as a fourth year student, I I was like, okay, I really want to take what I've learned so far because I am, I love self-development and I love learning as much as I can about something that I'm pursuing because I'm in love with it. Otherwise I wouldn't be pursuing it. So I'm, listening to audible books. I am listening to podcasts. I'm following as many people as I can on social media. I'm just craving consuming content about that. And so I felt like I had a big base of knowledge that I, and the experience that I've had to get to this point in my life. And when I was going through it, I felt isolated and I felt like, you know, you're really just doing this journey by yourself. And I couldn't even really feel like I could talk to my friends about it because they're also applying to residencies and you don't want to you know, create this, this, this idea or, or, yeah, like you don't want to feel like you're competing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really want to speak about it to my best friends because that made me feel anxious because I didn't want to feel like we were competing. So we really just like, were buddies about like, Hey, this deadline's coming up. Don't, don't forget about this. But other than that, we really didn't talk about the programs much just for my own mental health. Like I just wanted to keep it separate. So Mm -hmm. I kind of turned to the Instagram. So then when I got accepted, I was like, okay, I want to take everything I've learned and built and experienced and turn around and give it to the that person that I was two years ago or three years ago and then do this the entire time. Like as I move on to each next step, I want to turn around and give what I have back to the future going through that. And that's how I came up with the Faithful Farm D. But the story behind the name is with that Instagram post where we connected on. So that post was, it was just like resiliency in the face of rejection, basically. So that post was an email. I got a, it was a rejection email. And basically this was my number one program. And in my mind, like it it was, you know, my number one, and this is the path that I was going to be on. And I submitted all my applications and I had my rank list of programs, right? And they were top. And then I had some that I was excited about. And then some that I just had to get the number of 10 to 15 programs, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew I was residency or bust. So I was all in on residency, was going to go through phase two if I didn't match in phase one and then the scramble and then probably just reapply and like really self-evaluate and try to make myself better if it 
didn't work out. So I was all in on residency. And I got my, I submitted my applications and the first interview was a screening interview, like a 10 minute interview. I knew this program, knew these people, some of them that were going to be interviewing me. And it was a panel of interviewers, three people. And it was very, very emotionless, which I was not expecting. And it was question, answer, question, answer. And I'm really, yeah, rapid fire. Right. And that was the only interview experience I had that was like that. And I had zero interview experience. Like interviewing is a, is a skill that's acquired. It's not just innate. And I walked away from the interview feeling not good. And I didn't feel like necessarily that I did poorly with my answers. I was authentic. I could have been more prepared. You're a better interviewer at the end. So for any student or pharmacist who's pursuing residency, like schedule your preferred program last so that you're the strongest interview candidate at that point. But um, so you can't help when there's a screening interview first. And ultimately, I got the rejection for the next interview, and I was devastated. I sat on my parents' couch and was crying, and I was like, I don't know what my next step is because I've been very, I set a goal, I plan, go to that goal, and then I get it. So, like, I've always been like, this is the plan, this is the steps to the, these are the steps to the plan, and then here is the end result. When I realized my number one program was no longer an option, I was just like, I can't see anything. Like in my future, it's just black. I don't even know what what the next step is. And my parents were like, you need to have faith in the process. You need to have faith that that door closed for a reason mm-hmm. and that you have done all the work, all, all the things you need to do. You've controlled the controllables to get to this point. God has gotten you to this point. And he's not going to bring you here to drop you. Like there's a reason that door closed and there's another door that's open for you somewhere else that's better for you. Mm -hmm. And looking back, when I think about it, I'm like, residency is a lot about fit. If the program knows that you're going to, that maybe your goals don't fit or your personality doesn't fit, then it's not a good match because they, they know what their program is all about and how you will fit in. And if they maybe don't rank you high or don't offer you an interview, it could be as simple as you're interested in academia and they don't have any academic experiences to offer you. So they're not going to rank you. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily about you. And sometimes you definitely feel like it's about you. And so I was just like, kept going through the process. I had faith and ultimately God's plan was much better than my plan. And I just want to tell that to every single person pursuing Mm -hmm. these dreams is like, have faith in the process. Everything happens for a reason. If that's not where you end up, you weren't supposed to be there and it wouldn't have been the best experience for you in the long run. No, that's very beautiful to hear. And you said it very eloquent as well. And something you mentioned had me thinking just what you listed earlier. It sounds like you've had so many accomplishments in your life. Was you getting that rejection letter like one of the first times you've truly experienced rejection? Yeah, probably. I applied to one pharmacy school and I like worked with these people and kind of knew like it was going to be good. And then for, for, for softball, I wanted to be a college athlete when I was eight years old. And like went through all the steps to like play travel softball, went all across the country playing ball. And then you have like people that are recruiting you 
and you kind of know how it's going to go. They're talking to you, giving you packages. And like, I basically just figured out, I had like five schools I was talking to. I wanted to go D1, but they were like, we don't like a science major because you're going to miss too much practice in games. So then I looked to D2 and they would work with you. And then I had like schools that I was interested in. And I picked the school in Charlotte because I was like, I want to be close to family. It was a good package. And so I just literally applied to that one school, knew everything, was, you know, had the academic and athletic scholarships and then went there. And so then, like you said, that was the first time that I'd really put myself out there. And then my plan did not work. And I feel like as pharmacists, we're very type A. So it's just like, (laughs) didn't know what to do. So as you stated, this kind of was the first time that you experienced adversity and you discussed with your family and they kind of mentioned have faith in the process. Now, I know it's a lot easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) So for anybody who's listening, because residency season is kind of now around the corner. So match day is coming up, Uh, depending on when we release this episode, it might have already happened. But what was... How did you make that mindset shift to say, okay, I'm going to do this or this to be prepared for the next interview? Like how, if there was like a stepwise process, if you don't mind kind of like elaborating on that. Yeah, that's great. So the first step was being sad. I was just like, you got to let it out. You have to let it out first. Yes. Yeah. Completely normal. You know, I was just like disappointed, frustrated, and then you pick yourself up and you're like, all right, what's the next step? You get interview offers and then you get rejection. And that's something that I wasn't prepared for is like, I felt like I was a strong candidate and you just don't expect the rejection. And you're like working on your appy at at rotation and you get a rejection email and you're like absolutely devastated. And you know, it's going to be okay. You just like, you know, you focus on what you do have and the positives And I really just, I tried to do whatever it was that helped me stay centered and in balance in the face of all of this, like uncertainty and just, just hardship. And that was for me, like, I was really close with my family. I I very much draw into myself if I'm going through a hard time or adversity and I just like focused on what I did have. So when I got an acceptance and an interview invitation, I just absolutely prepared for for that interview. I, I did mock interviews. I reflected on what I could have done better. You have experience through that interview of like what questions they ask. I mean, they're all laid out the same. So you start to get your groove and you just like do your best to stay positive through the process and look into what, prepare for your interviews that you do have. And then when I started, like I got the interview for Wake Forest and Wake Forest was my, the PGY one where I went. And honestly, that was a reach program that I had just put in there. And I wasn't really even sure about Wake Forest because I was so excited about like these two, like these programs over here. And When I started looking into Wake Forest, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I'm really excited about this. And then I had the interview and they were just my people. Like, we just really clicked. And that's how I felt with Duke. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And they felt the same way. And I, I, you know, ranked them and the match went beautifully. 
But I was like, there's a reason I, I looked back on that first interview with the program that I didn't get the second interview with. And I'm like, we didn't vibe and, and they knew that. And that's why it was not going to be a good fit. Even if I, even if there was some way I could have pushed through and been there, it would not have been a beneficial experience for me. I would have struggled. It's a hard year anyway. You want to be with your people. You don't Mm -hmm. want to be with someone who doesn't want you. No, absolutely. And definitely normal, you know, if you don't get your top choice to let it out, but think everything happens for a reason, you know, so um, because you never know, you know, what if you went to that program, and it didn't anyways turn out, you know, and even like, and I know, and you brought up a good point, if you want to get more practice before you get interviewed to your top program of choice, you want to make that program of choice go last. So that's a really great point. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great, yeah. and that's something that we always recommend as well. When you're applying for residency programs, always select your favorite place or your top choices mm-hmm. later in the residency process. Even if you don't have the dates for everybody, try to select the latest dates that they have. So that way you can get as much practice and experience with maybe the other programs that you're not, that you don't have as high on your list. Uh, because as Michaela was saying, as you go through the interview process, you become more prepared. And she also touched upon something, which I don't know if she realized this, but what she said when she faced the adversity, yes, first she went through her moment of sadness, but then she picked herself up. But she also probably went back to what she always did as a child when it was with softball. She prepared, she practiced, she did all these things on the side. So she mentioned she was doing mock interviews and different things to prepare herself for the next interview to be the best candidate that she can be. And I think a lot of times I made the same mistake I made I made both mistakes. My first interview was the one that I wanted to be at, my my favorite <laughs> place, and I did not practice, <laughs> so I did not match. <laughs> so uh, one plus one equals two sometimes, and that's exactly what happened there. And that's why we we always stress the importance of doing mock interviews, whether it's with us, like we always say, like you can go to tinyurl.com/slash/capsularxservices, um, where we do mock interview practice uh, for residency, fellowship, and other and just jobs in general, or like use your friends, use somebody. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you don't use us, like just use somebody, please. And I wanted to ask you, who did you use? Did you use like a service or did you ask friends, mentors, as far as helping you with the uh, residency interview process? Yeah, I, I was in a program, gosh, what was it? It was a scholar program with um, a hospital in Charlotte, Atrium Health. And they provided mock interviews with the scholar uh, students with their current residents. And then they gave you feedback, which was great. That was probably my first one. And as a student, I wasn't, I didn't feel prepared to do the mock interview. Do it anyway. Prepare as much as you can. Do it anyway. It's going to help you. And then I read an interview book. Um, It's by Tony Guerra. He had like a free book on interviewing and it was basically like just the overview process. And then he gave examples of like answering questions. And then I also um, would use a- the ASHP resources. So they have this program where it, w- it will record you and ask you questions and you get like two or three minutes to answer. And then you can go back and watch yourself answer it. And mm-hmm. my biggest problem was like, I didn't want to swivel in my chair. I didn't want to like, <laughs> look too much away. I wanted to focus on that camera. Mm -hmm. And then also I ramble. So I needed to have this structure of answering the question, which Tony Garrett talked about in his book. I listened to podcasts on interviewing things and it was always like the star method. So the situation, task, Mm -hmm. uh, action, and then result. Yeah. 
And that just like frames the answer beautifully, you know, answer the question, talk about examples, and then finish up with, you know, the answer and what you learned from whatever the question was. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll probably try to include it in the show notes. So if you can send me the name of the book, because I think that would be a great resource for mm-hmm. anybody who has upcoming interviews to probably read. I, I think I'm thinking about buying it. I love books and any opportunity to learn and get better at um, and, and I listened to it on yeah. Audible while I was driving to like to rotations, which was awesome because then you're I was having to drive like 30 to 45 minutes and then you're like getting at least some exposure to interview mm-hmm. etiquette and just ways to answer questions. And then they give you ideas on how to answer a question. And I'm like, it really helped. And, and that's a key thing. I actually wrote an article about that, which I've never promoted and I keep forgetting to promote it. <laughs> um, but basically like as a pharmacy student, things that you can do to help you get the residency that you want and incorporating things like into your natural flow. So what I mean by that is if you know you have a commute of 30 minutes, when I listen to a podcast, maybe about certain disease states, if you have a journal club coming up or a topic discussion or whatever the case may be, if you know you have residency interviews coming up, then listen to, you know, YouTube vids or whatever. You don't have to watch it. Just have it playing while you're driving. And that was something that helped me tremendously because you don't realize how much you can learn, like 30 minutes to an hour a day of consistency with certain topics. And that's something that I kind of wrote about um, how valuable that is, with like using social media to help you um, improve and learn as a pharmacy student. So that's a great tip. You're giving a lot of gems. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a great tip as well. Um, definitely during your commute, try to incorporate it or also the gym. If you don't need like music to really like get you pumped or excited, I would say that's another great um, opportunity to incorporate something to help you as a pharmacy student get prepared for the next step. Yeah. That tip on listening to whatever the podcast is like a podcast for your upcoming topic discussion. I would always do that because if you've prepared for it and then you listen to the podcast as you're coming in, it will like help you feel ready to go and and confident when you come into it whereas if you don't feel as confident in the material you're presenting it comes across as you don't feel as confident so that's that's a great tip yeah and oh i got the book title too it's the oh sorry yeah yeah. no No, no, yeah no go ahead (laughs) it's called residency interview help by tony guerra g-u-e-r-r-a and he has a the pharmacy residency podcast as well he's great that's definitely a good resource for anybody um, who, like I said, I don't know when this episode will be released, but if you're preparing for phase two or if this is for next year's round, uh, definitely keep this in mind. Probably subscribe to his YouTube channel so that way when the time comes for you to apply, you can kind of check out some of his content to help you get prepared. Absolutely. And so to tie it all in together, what advice would you give for those students that did not get their top residency program and also, since we do have, we, there may be students, right, that are interested in applying for residency, but maybe are a little scared or fear about, like we were talking about, the imposter syndrome. Right? They fear like they're not going to get there, they're not going to do their best, or like they're not going to get accepted. What advice would you give to those kinds of students that have that, um, either that imposter syndrome or otherwise do not get matched? I think if if you don't match or you don't match with your number one, let's start with don't match with your number one program. I go back to everything happens for a reason. If they didn't have you as high on their list, maybe they felt like it wouldn't be a good fit for you coming in to achieve the goals or 
maybe your personality wouldn't fit as well with some of the people you would be working with. So ultimately it was a blessing in disguise. If you did not match and you're going through phase two, I would definitely recommend reflecting on how phase one went, where you could improve, and then reach out to a coach or a mentor or, you know, look for what needed work, whether it was your, if you didn't get a lot of interview offers, maybe look at your package, like your letter of intent, your CV. If you're, you feel like your interviews didn't go well, definitely reach out to someone to help with your interviewing skills. So that's what I really try to do with the Faithful Farm D is be a resource for residents or students applying to residency to reach out and ask like, Hey, how can I be better? Like, how can I, you know, what did you do with this situation? So I really try to mentor and coach through that. And then I would just say, go into residency or even if it's not your number one program with an optimistic attitude, just, you know, go in thinking the best and, you know, it will be better if you have a positive outlook than if you do not. So focus on the positive. Something that I try to do in residency, you know, it's very busy and I usually like am overall a positive, optimistic person. And I've identified like when I'm burning out, I am more negative. And so like I will notice that I'm thinking more negative. I am like choosing a more negative outlook and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of burning out. I'm getting off center here. And so I try to like do what makes me come back to center. And that even comes back to when I didn't match, like it was, it was getting close to family, uh, doing something outside of pharmacy, if possible for a half day on a weekend or a full day if possible. And that's, you know, being able to do that, you have to have a good pulse on your priorities and your to-do list to be able to step out of pharmacy and rejuvenate yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as advice for, you know, fear, of not matching. So not even like trying, I, I would never, ever advise someone to do that. Always try, like get as much information as you can. The antidote to fear is action. So like, see what, just look into programs. First of all, when I was on the fence about if I wanted to apply to a PGY2 from a PGY1, I just started looking into programs and then my soul lit on fire when I like started seeing all the cool things that you could do. Mm-hmm. And the possibilities, so I was like, yeah, this is definitely for me. And, I, and in re- applying for residency, you're looking back on your journey and what all you've done to get to this point. And you almost, it gives you more confidence in yourself. You're mm-hmm. like, I have done all these things. Like I should be confident and proud of myself. Even if I don't go to residence, I have this great experience and package that I've created for myself to be the best pharmacist that I could be. Definitely. And I, another way of kind of saying what you said is practicing the law of detachment. So this is something that I've been practicing probably for like a year and a half now where I do things, but not for the outcome. I do it because I enjoy it. So if you enjoy pharmacy and you believe you want to be a resident, don't necessarily view it as I have to be at this residency program. You can have a top choice, but just understand that you're detached from one specific place, but you're attached to the process. So the process will lead you to wherever you're supposed to be. So if it's supposed to be at this residency program, it will be. If it's supposed to be in phase one, it will be. If it's not, then maybe you need to go through phase two. And then in phase two, you'll find the ideal program because phase one didn't have it for you. And so a lot of times I believe we're so type A, kind of like you said, (laughs) where it's like, you know, we have a goal, we set out, we accomplish it. And that's just how it is. And 
as we get older, life isn't like that. It's not as easy to accomplish the things that you want to just make happen. It's more of you just have to allow the law of attraction or the law of detachment to play its role. And then life will kind of form around you, but you just continue to put in the work. And that's just having faith in the process. That's I, I believe another way of just stating that is having faith in the process, as you mentioned earlier. And then the the outcome that's supposed to happen for your journey will happen. Yeah, yeah I'm totally agree. And definitely trust in yourself. And again, it's easier said than done. Um, it takes practice, but trust what you know, trust your experience. You know, I am so-and-so and this is what I've done and this is what I learned. This is who I am. Definitely takes practice, but um, if something doesn't work out, you know, just still maintain the optimistic outlook and know that, hey, your skills can be used somewhere else and you don't know it yet, but you'll get there and you'll realize it sooner or later. Yeah, I will say the more, the further you go in your journey, the easier it is to have faith and trust the process. Like when you're going for the PGY1 or whatever it is. You are so worried and like, you're like, okay, I'm going to trust the process, but you're a little resistant to it. And then it works out. And then you're, then you look back and you're like, this is way better than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And so then the next time you're a little bit more, you have a little bit more faith. And then now I'm going into jobs. I'm like, okay, I trust it. Like I'm not as stressed as I was in the past. That's exactly how it goes. It's just the more you experience that, the more you trust it and in my opinion, the easier your life becomes because you understand that it'll just happen. Whatever it is, it'll happen when it's the right time. And so you don't have to force it or you don't have to like try to make it happen or predict it. It'll just happen. Absolutely. For example, I don't have any teaching experience at all, right? I didn't, I didn't do a residency and I, so obviously I don't have a teaching certification. I don't have any experience whatsoever. My experiences as with all pharmacy students is giving presentations, right? We give plenty of them. Um, and I, but I was always interested in teaching in, in academia. And so I applied to different schools and only one school got back to me. Um, and this school wanted to give it a try. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, great. And so I went through the interview thing out like I, you know, I don't know what they're going to ask me because I never dealt with students before. You know, they're going to ask me these questions of what I would do in this situation. I don't have no idea. Um, I'm going to just try to make the best answer what I would do, trust my knowledge. But honestly, I have no idea how a teacher would handle students that are, you know, especially with adult students, right, that they have their um, personal lives. But hey, I went through it. You know, I, I breeze and I trusted my knowledge and at the end they accepted me as a teacher you know without any kind of teaching experience so uh, hoping that hey this might be a reason that maybe they do need me right and maybe I presented some skills that they they need um, even if I didn't have experience so you know that's just an example from my professional life but it could happen to anybody you know just because you don't have an experience but if you actually demonstrate you know you really want it you never know you could get it that's a great 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 example of how you know it's not a traditional like path but it all works out that's awesome it all works out so and in regards to and let's not neglect our current residents right so i am sure it is a lot of work and a lot of burnout 
what advice would you give them, you know, to build and maintain that resiliency throughout their residency experience? The first year, as a first year resident, it's like you're getting your feet under you and like learning everything for the first time. And the hardest part is managing all the different longitudinal experiences and deadlines and these big projects that you have, but also like having your acute deadlines with your rotation that you're on. Then in your PGY2, you really have your feet under you. You know, you're doing the same type of experiences. You have like examples to go off of. You've done it. You've been there, done that. You feel more confident. Like it's, it's easier the second time around. And I cried a lot during my first year, but like my second year, I have not cried at all. So we're going strong with that. We have three months left to go. My fiance was like, I am really impressed. You have done really well at Duke. Like you are happy. So I'm not crying, but um, how I stay like centered and balanced in residency is is basically taking time to get out of pharmacy so that I still love it so much. Like you said, like, I love pharmacy. Like I love, like I was working out with patients and I'm like, I love this so much, but you get bogged down, you know, like you, you're grinding and it's, there's busy seasons and less busy seasons. And what I've learned is if I want to recognize signs in myself of burnout early. So as early as possible. And that's that negative mindset for me when I, and being negative, then I need to be like, okay, let's step back. Let's do some things to get you back happy. Usually it's sleep. I'm usually sleep deprived. And I'm like, (laughs) all right, so we've got to go to bed early. We've got to get some rest. We've got to get some like outside of pharmacy, like consuming of like podcasts or the bachelor or hanging out with friends or getting outside, (laughs) exerting energy because you sit a lot. My residency, my first year residency had a great um, take on this. And I wanted to tell, you know, students or residents to do this. So seizure diastole was the phrase. And that just means like take advantage of your rest time, like plan out your free time and your rest time where you're not in pharmacy. Because some people, I don't really have this problem where like I can really detach Like I can get out of residency things and like be with whoever I'm with and be fully like present. But some people like are more likely to like check the chart or log in or check their email and like it bring them out. But as long as I feel like I have a good pulse on my to-do list and I feel good where I'm at and have the ability to take time away, then I'm going to like completely step away because that helps me still love what I do and then come back and you're like rejuvenated. So staying organized is a big piece of that, because if you don't really know what what your deadlines are, then you're always like, "Mm, I'm kind of worried about this like project that I have. I don't know when it's due. I could be late. If you just go ahead and map everything out, put it in your calendar, set your reminders, have everything, you know, about that experience in your OneNote or however you manage it, then you can say like, okay, we're good. We're going to step away. We're going to go for like a hike. We're not going to think about pharmacy today. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. Seize your diastole. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I love it. <laughs> um, now I'm going to say it to myself too. Um, <laughs> this And hey, and honestly, self-care, you know, having time to rejuvenate those moments, you know, it's not a, wa- a time waster. 
at all. On the contrary, you're, you're definitely like investing in yourself to be able to be successful, right? Because we're not robots, you know, we're humans and, and something, and it happened to me because definitely one of my strengths from the, from that, what is it called? The, the strength finder, the strength finder was achiever. And so I'm driven by deadlines. Like I, I, I'm literally con that's like my drive. Like, okay, we got to finish this. We got to finish this. And I don't care if I don't sleep much. Uh, I got to finish it. But then it catches up to me because later on I have nightmares. I wake up in the middle of the night. It's happened to me. Okay. And I have like, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I overslept. And then it's only like three in the morning. It's happened to me. But why? Because I don't, I don't dedicate the time I need to rest my brain. Um, so definitely I love that phrase. Seize your diastole. Take time for yourself. You know, that's also part of your success for sure. Two key things that you mentioned, Michaela, that I want everybody to make sure that if you're a resident, and even if you're not a resident, if you're just working in pharmacy or if you're a new pharmacist, you need to identify your specific signs of burnout. That's a key thing um, for Michaela. She noticed that she gets more on the negative side rather than being positive. So maybe you're a little bit cranky, you're a little bit grumpy, um, whatever the case may be. But you need it to identify your signs of burnout because it shouldn't have to come from somebody else telling you that you seem burnt out. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to identify that yourself. That's one. And two, pharmacy cannot be your only life. Mm -hmm. If it is, you will definitely 100% be burnt out. So you need to find an outlet or other thing to decompress and relieve your mind of pharmacy. And I'm one of those that do struggle with detaching from pharmacy let's say i'm with family or friends like i'm still checking emails i'm Mm -hmm. i'm one of them so for those individuals that are like that you have to find a way to experience solitude whether it's some people i recommend meditation some people recommend yoga some people recommend different things to where i would say anything you can do to where you can't use your phone (laughs) So I do like the hiking mention because sometimes when you're going on a hike, you don't have that cellular access, right? That cellular tower. So finding things, or maybe if you like the water, maybe it's snorkeling, finding something to where you literally cannot be on your phone mm-hmm. and it forces you to be present with the individuals that you care and love or just be present in the moment, which will allow you to detach from work and then feel that rejuvenation by doing something that you enjoy doing or something that you love. And then you can come back to work with a positive attitude. And that's something that I don't believe was really ever explained to me. That's something that I had to learn through life. And I think that's a very, very important thing for anybody listening because in pharmacy school, you just, you know, you're going through school, you're doing your internship work, you just work and work and work in. Then you go into residency, it's like on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's just like, you can't just work like four years undergrad, four years of grad school, and then just do three years of work all in one and one year of residency and expect not to get burnt out by just only mm-hmm. focusing on this. Yeah. So you definitely have to have your outlets. Um, otherwise you will be a very, very unhappy resident. So <laughs> yes. definitely recommend um, one, trying to identify your signs of burnout. And if you're unsure what they are, then you can ask other people what's theirs, or you can kind of just take some time to think about it. Um, I'll see if maybe I can find some resources and add that to the show notes, but definitely Mm -hmm. try to identify your signs of burnout and then have your outlet for different things that can help you decompress so that way you can still appreciate pharmacy whenever you have to go back to work. That's a really great point. You know, be self-aware, know yourself, those signs of burnout. And even I had to come to a point that I had to schedule 
my yeah. like a free time. Friday night was my night, you know, to watch movies, to be with the family, um, and maybe some, and maybe Saturday. But um, make make that a deadline or make that like a motivation. Like, okay, I just gotta get through this week, and then this day will be my day of literally just resting, doing me. So. This is a really great conversation to have, um, which is why I'm so happy to have you here. Overall, you know, just to sum up this episode, what are three to five takeaway points that you would like to give our audience today regarding resiliency within pharmacy in general? Number one is something that I have not done and I don't want you to make the same mistake as me. So number one is prioritizing your health. And I'm for me, it was specifically like healthcare related health. So you're in training, you're doing residency and like with undergrad combined with residency, that's 10 years of training and like grinding. That's mm-hmm. a long time to really put off your, you know, wants, needs, desires, and your healthcare needs. So like I am, and I think this is from my sports background. I'm a grinder. Like I will, I will put off whatever it is, like going to the doctor, getting my eyes checked for just like grinding it out. And you can't do that for 10 years. I mean, you cannot. And so like recently I noticed, you know, residency, you're looking at computers, you're reading a lot, you're, you know, stressing your eyes for for a long time. And as a kid, I wore glasses and contacts for a little bit. I kind of grew out of them and I was always farsighted and never really had what I thought was trouble reading up close. Then I started noticing, like, especially my fiance, he was like, I couldn't see the Netflix show names, like what the show was like Mm -hmm. to pick a show from our bed. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a problem that I can't read. I can't read the shows on the TV, but I'm like, it's fine. I can read, you know, the charts fine. And he was like, you really should get your eyes checked. You really should get your eyes checked. And finally, I three months left in my residency, went and got my eyes checked. And they were like, your prescription is so bad that you can get your contacts covered by your insurance because you're, you need so much help, like corrective help mm-hmm. with lenses. And I was like, here I have been struggling because I've been putting off for like a year and a half going to get my eyes checked. And it's just because I didn't want to take the time away from my rotation. I didn't want to have to ask to take time off. That's just on me. It's not necessarily that they made me feel like that, but I'm like, I've got way too much to do than to like take time to go do that. And I feel like I can see fine when really you should prioritize your health. So don't do what I did. Prioritize your health. Go see your doctor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then like finding what rejuvenates you. And like you Mm -hmm. said, like I take Fridays off. Like I don't work on Fridays after work Mm -hmm. because I've like, I grind during the week. Like I will stay up to, usually I go to bed by 10 to get my sleep, but like I will work until I go to bed during the week to take the Fridays off. And then a lot of times I take Saturdays off and, and get back into it. Like maybe Saturday evening and then definitely Sunday. And I try to just find what rejuvenates me and do that to step out of pharmacy and like planning rewards. That's the last tip is like, if I know residency is full of busy seasons and less busy seasons, and mm-hmm. if I know this next three weeks are going to be a grind because I've got like six deadlines and a presentation and my research is due, then I'm going to say at the end of this three week period, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to like, even if that's to go see my parents, like get out of mm-hmm. Durham or like go shopping or meet with your friends or go to a dinner somewhere. Like we're going to have a reward at the end of that. And I listened to a book recently. Let me think. 
I think it was the success principles by Jack Canfield. He was talking about how you have like three people within yourself. One is like the child, one is the parent, and one is the adult. The adult is the one who manages your to-do list, like your schedule, gets your old change, does your taxes, like all the things. The parent is the one that like scolds you, like you really should be working right now and you're not, like you're on Instagram or you really (laughs) need to be doing this, like you need to get work done before you go play, blah, blah, blah. And then the child is like, I don't want to work right now. Like, I want to go do this fun thing. And he was like, you have to satisfy the child almost like a real child. Like, you have to say, we're going to work right now. So be quiet and be still. And then later we'll go do, we'll go get ice cream. We'll go do like, go shopping. We'll do the fun thing. And he was like, if you tell the child that you're going to do something fun and you don't follow up on it, your child will sabotage you in the future because it knows you lied to it. So it's like you have to follow through on your reward for yourself if you tell yourself you're going to do do that so that you won't sabotage yourself later. And that could be like it could sabotage you, like make you sick potentially or like make you botch some interview or something like that because you are just mm-hmm. working too hard and it's trying to make you rest. What, what was that? The name of the book again? Yeah, it was called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. I just listened to that one. I'm really into self-development, so I feel... Same here. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you have to be if you're doing what you're doing, so... It's kind of not an option, yeah. I always read books, and that's a very, very interesting concept, and I could see how you have to satisfy each of those parts, or one-third of yourself has to be satisfied, otherwise you will be in an imbalance, and it's that's what life is about is getting to that state of balance and each child within yourself, each adult within yourself and each parent within yourself needs to have their portion of control in your, of your life. And you, and once you have that equal control, you'll probably be the most balanced you can be. And that's when you truly appreciate life. And that's something that I think a lot of us kind of strive for. We don't know how to word it and we don't know how to get there, but that's, I could see that being something that he was probably preaching. Like that's how you can actually reach the balance within to have Mm -hmm. a life that you feel fulfilled and satisfied with. Mm -hmm. And everybody struggles with it. You know, like Mm -hmm. you, you have those days where you sit down and you're like, I do not want to work right now. Like I cannot be productive. And then you have to just figure out how to either like grind through it. And sometimes that's the answer. Or sometimes it's like, let's step away and come back when we're better. Yes. Okay, so just to wrap it up again, so your three points, um, one of them was definitely identify your burnout. Mm-hmm. So identify what's causing you to burnout. Make sure to reward yourself. And what was the other one? Prioritize. Oh, yeah, prioritizing. See, yeah. That's why I didn't mention it, because I don't do yeah, it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you should. I'm working on it, though. I did go to the dentist, so working on it. Nice. Um, that's on my list. I got to yes. get the dentist in there. Oh, yeah. No, you got to do that, because you might get a surprise root canal. Uh, so you should do that. Uh, definitely. While you still have insurance. So, uh, <laughs> she's legit laughing right now. Uh, so yeah, yeah. True stories. Um, so prioritize your health, please people. That's one thing I would, and I don't have a problem going to the dentist, but it was, I was just being lazy. Just too focused yeah, on my It's annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. I lo- Cause so I like- love my point. I love like getting checkups, like eye doctor, dentist. Yeah. Doctor. Like, I love going to appointments. I don't have any problems. Like, please. Like a spa. Lab. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I like being pampered and taken care of. My problem, <laughs> my problem is that 
when I'm in grind mode, I, like I said, I have problems switching. So yeah. I have problems switching. So like in residency, I was just in grind, 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 grind mode. I didn't use all my PDO. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about my health. I was like, oh, I could do this after and probably shouldn't have. So yes, prioritize your health, people. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely try to identify your signs of burnout and definitely plan um, on ways to reward yourself mm-hmm. to satisfy the child with it. Yes. Yes. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the questions that we had for you today. Um, but I definitely want to make sure that you have the opportunity um, to promote anything that you have going on. So for anybody that's listening, can you just let them know again where they can reach out to you? Um, what's the best method if it's a certain social media versus another one or an email and um, anything that you have going on? The best way to reach out to me is either through Instagram. You can message me at the faithful farm D or you could email me. So that's Michaela, my first name, M-I-C-A-E-L-A at thefaithfulfarmd.com. And I am working on a website and I'm uh, open to coaching and mentoring pharmacy residents or students or those, you know, pursuing residency. I have been through a lot of interviews after going through PGY1, PGY2 process and PPSing at mid-year, probably over 60 interviews. So like I definitely... Yeah, I can help you with the interview process. Mm. But um, yeah, that is how you can reach me and things that I'm working on. TBD on the website. My my fiance is in IT. He's deployed right now in overseas with the army. So we have a lot of time to work. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He's great. He's great. So we'll, uh, we have a lot of time to Skype and plan our website together. He's helping me. All right. Perfect. So TBD. Um, to be determined for the website and mm-hmm. I'm sure she'll, she'll update us on anything new. And of course, you know, just let us know while we share it on, on our Instagram. And before we let you go, did you have any questions for us? No, I absolutely loved meeting you both. You're so funny. <laughs> I feel like I've been hanging out with friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. And that's what we want. We wanted to be very conversational, yeah. very, uh, very friendly. So we're very fortunate to have you. I always like meeting like-minded individuals. Because it helps to, like, kind of what you said, rejuvenation. And it's sometimes it can be very challenging to do what we yeah. do on top of work mm-hmm. and other things that we do. Uh, but to me, other people that are inspirational, motivational, and and have a purpose, and you can see them smile and laugh and be happy pursuing their pur- purpose just motivates me to keep going at it and, and keep going through the, <laughs> the tough times and the good times. Uh, so that's just something that I always enjoy whoever we interview, like it's always a pleasure to meet new people and meet new people that are passionate about pharmacy and passionate about what they do. Nice. Same here. Same here. You guys are awesome. You're an inspiration. I love what you're doing. The personal branding episode was awesome. Go listen to that one. It was great. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we had opportunity to present that at UF and that's uh, given us, I guess, a couple other opportunities because yes. we've been getting some some messages, mm-hmm. uh, TBD, but we'll make some announcements later in the year and potentially with some other pharmacy schools too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the word spreads fast. <laughs> but um, but yeah, thank you so much. Like I said, I'll definitely put in the show notes um, her IG so that way anybody wants to access it. Uh, definitely put also um, the two books that she recommended. Um, so definitely, definitely check out uh, Michaela Hayes uh instagram at the faithful farm d a lot of great motivational inspirational content even if you're not going through residency i believe the content can still apply if Mm -hmm. you're going for job Job. interviews Mm -hmm. which a lot of us will always be going for so even if you feel like oh i'm not trying to do residency i want to do a fellowship or i want to work 
retail, long-term, long-term care facility, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. something else where you're just going to try to work straight out. Trust me, this content will still help. And so I highly recommend you, you check it out and definitely, definitely tune in. She does a lot of reels too. So if you're more of a visual person, um, that could definitely be something for you. So if you're more visual and you like to listen rather than just read things, um, definitely, definitely check out her content. It's so funny that you say that because I didn't realize I do a lot of reels, but I didn't realize like as a consumer, I like to, I like to hear the content rather than read it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that definitely makes sense that I produce content. That is what I want to see. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. Me, I'm more of a reader. So it's like, I like to read, but I understand people nowadays, like the more the visual. So I had to adjust. <laughs> I'll give you more reading content. I'll put more reading content out there. Thank for you. Hey, yes. Cater to your fans. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. 